The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? I hope that you are looking after yourselves, staying well, um, being kind to yourself and each other. Today I chat with Sarah Hopfinger chatting about Sarah's new piece called Pain and I, which is touring Scotland at the moment and is on at the tramway in Glasgow um, tomorrow and Thursday and then heading to Findhorn this weekend before travelling throughout uh, Scotland in 2024. We talk about living with chronic pain, what that means um, both physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, which is where the inspiration for Pain and I began. We talk about capitalism. We cover a lot in this episode, that is for sure. All the details for Pain and I are in the show notes of today's episode. And can you believe it? I forgot to ask the question, the persistent and nasty question. Can't believe it. So Sarah has very kindly sent me a little uh, voice recording which is at the end of the episode today you're also getting a little surprise at the end of the episode today we have a little segment of the audio um, of for the show pain and i which has already been created and is out there in the world and all details for that are also in the show notes today um, and a big thanks to the composer and sarah for allowing us to let you have a little uh, sampling of this so stay tuned to the very end of the episode because you will hear that remember to like download review subscribe share 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 um, the podcast on all of your social medias it really does make a huge difference and lets our guests be heard by as many people as possible if you support the work the persistent and nasty do you can help us out by becoming a persistent pal or a nasty hero the details for that are in the show notes of today's episode and as you know if you're a regular listener to the show we are beyond grateful for your generosity and support you can also just donate the price of a cup of tea or coffee to us or as we've had in recent weeks you can um, donate money towards the coffee mornings and you can stay anonymous or we can shout about you from the rooftops and a big thank you to the person who donated to our last coffee morning they wish to remain anonymous we are so grateful for your support and your generosity If you can't financially support us, you can help us out in many other ways. You can share about us on social media, tell your friends, download the episodes, review the episodes, leave comments on Instagram posts. All of those things make a huge difference to the algorithm and therefore bumps us right up. And that way we reach more people and hopefully more people will find out about the work that we are doing. We are grateful for however you can support us. Um, thank you very much. You can follow us on social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty, TikTok Persistent and Nasty, website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk. Remember you can check out some of the incredible blogs that have been written for us by incredible artists or you can submit a blog to us if there is something that you want to share with the world and if you don't want your name attached to it let us know because we can also make sure that that is anonymous if there is an idea that you have or a conversation that you want to get started or something that's just really getting under your skin about maybe this industry or the state of the world then um, please feel free to send us an email you can follow Louise and I on social media Louise is at Ms Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram and I am at Elaine.stirrit on Instagram and at Elaine.stirrit on Twitter Oh, for today's episode, I don't know actually. Maybe, oh, 
like something fruity, maybe an orange juice, get that vitamin C up. We are into November, so uh, for those of us um, in the UK, it's starting to get a bit chilly. Um, maybe, maybe you want to stick with the fruit juice thing and maybe you might quite fancy a little mango smoothie or maybe you're going to go for a beer or a wine or a spirit or you can do what uh, Sarah was doing in the episode and having a cup of coffee or you know you can just always have a good old cup of tea sit back relax and enjoy don't worry about a's and ums and all of that i a and um all the time (laughs) Um, it makes it feel more real and I think that's what people really like about um our podcast is it feels like you're just having a cup of coffee with someone cool well that's good because I've got my coffee here and I don't I actually have not done a podcast before so this is my first oh we're your podcast cherry let's chat <laughs> that's appropriate oh great I'm having my uh, cup of tea in my smash the patriarchy mug so there we go oh I've got lots of different oh you've got the book <laughs> love <laughs> love it love it so much um Sarah welcome to the forgetting where I am. Sarah, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. It is lovely to have you. Um, We are going to talk about your show, Pain and I, but before we do that, I would love for you to give the listeners a little potted history of you, how you find yourself in this wonderful, tricky, challenging, spectacular, infuriating industry of ours. I'm trying to find different words for it every week because it really is challenging. (laughs) yeah um well thank you for having me here (laughs) those are all (laughs) appropriate words I like them um (laughs) uh yeah um so yeah a little history um I have been in performance for uh my my whole adult life um so I, I moved to Glasgow actually to uh study contemporary performance when I was 18 and this is my 18th year in Glasgow now, <laughs> um, which somehow feels like a moment, which is quite nice. Yeah, um, at the moment. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where did you where did you train? At um the Royal Conservatory of Scotland in contemporary performance practice. That when it was still the RSAMD? That was the RSAMD. Yeah. The Academy. <laughs> the Academy. Yeah. 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 Um yeah. So yeah, I'd literally I actually only had been to Scotland once before in my life and then I moved here so um and have stayed (laughs) because I do love it um but yeah so I have yeah so I guess my journey has sort of been always knowing I want to do performance but like kind of obviously (laughs) working that out as I go um and yeah wanting to sort of experiment with what performance can be and what it can respond to um and so uh yeah not always doing autobiographical work I guess working in different kind of collaborations and um I did a lot of work with children and with like non-trained performers so I yeah so I didn't I did a PhD as well so I kind of studied and then I had a couple of years of feeling being an artist and feeling quite lost (laughs) trying to be like how how do I want to do this um and then yeah and and research basically has is still a big part of kind of what I do so I did a practice-led PhD with Glasgow Uni which was about ecological performance practice and intergenerational collaboration so a kind of like ecological ethos and exploration has always been part of um, my interest I guess in making performance like how can it kind of embody not just in the subject matter necessarily or not even necessarily in the subject matter but in like how the ways of working and how we collaborate with each other and how it can sort of embody our interconnectedness to each other and to the non-human and to like social and ecological systems and anyway so that's that I kind of like went really deep into that for four years (laughs) um and part of that was about the kind of ecology of children and adults and um uh yeah people from yeah working in that collaboration and uh so that yeah that that was like a lot of what I did for quite a while that's so fascinating that kind of intergenerational thing because I think um that gets lost so much the older we get right that sense of 
play that probably brought a lot of us to the performing arts and as a as a huge kind of sweeping part of it um yeah and that gets lost in that so what was what did you find from all of that I mean yeah no, it's such a good yeah <laughs> well yeah there was loads of stuff that I suppose the I mean what you're saying it, it feels like so long ago now but it, it reminds me that actually the motivation for doing any of that at first came from literally just like my life and not feeling like I wasn't a I wasn't connected to people from different generations like younger or older than me or only in very specific contexts did it happen yeah. like if I did a workshop for young people or <laughs> if I did something in a school or yeah or meeting someone's grandparents or you know like it yeah, yeah it just, it's really I think her um again this is really sweeping of people and it's not obviously specific because there will be so many examples but I think as a society like we don't encourage that intergenerational stuff unless it is grandchildren grandparent relationship or you have them within your family that kind of isn't um celebrated like you know I think being performers we do I certainly do have a friends of variety variety of age ranges which is lovely and I love that and I kind of remember, like, I think if everybody had that, we'd be in a much better place in the world. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, I, I guess it's, it's for me, it's like making performance or like how it's made. I've When it feels like I'm, when it feels like the right thing to be doing, it's when I feel like I'm able to try and enact a different, a way of being that I want more of in the world. So, for example, like, yeah, more kind of equality in those kind of intergenerational relationships for example and oh how can I make structures and an environment where that can happen and so it's kind of often responding to a gap that I'm feeling not not just in the art world but in the white yeah just in like wider living and Mm. usually when like a piece or a project starts from that place I know it's like the right thing to do (laughs) because there's like this like deep motivation to be like well I need this so and other people seem to need it so I'm gonna do it anyway you know and it um but yeah which is similar I'd love you to touch on a little bit more if you don't mind that sense of feeling that you had of feeling lost as an an artist because I think so many of us have those moments and um what it was for you that you know you navigated was it your PhD that got you back through that or was it something else Um, I mean I think you're right it's like that kind of thing of it it's it doesn't just sort of you don't sort of just get unlost and then it's then it's fine I think it's like an ongoing process but I think there was a particular kind of lost I had at that time and at that age kind of like early 20s um but I think it yeah I yeah in a lot of ways I wasn't even looking to do a PhD and it kind of came along as and I just kind of read about it and it was something that had relevance to what I'm interested in so then I applied for it but yeah, I wasn't looking to like have a career in academia or anything. Um, but I suppose it's, yeah, I I think that lost feeling can also, obviously there can be loads, it, it's really problematic because it's because our industry is, the systems are just not humane. <laughs> um, but I also think there's a usefulness to a certain kind of lost feeling as an artist where like we're not, we don't just have an answer and then figure it out like, oh, well, now I know what my, now I have a career I guess not even looking for a career necessarily it's like how do I follow how do I follow where there's energy and what gives what gives energy and like what feels important and obviously that (laughs) can be not always easy to do but I think that um that has felt like the learning is like if I can um not actually make assumptions about for example what genre I make work in or what context I'm always in because for a while I was like oh now I'm the person that makes intergenerational work and like that isn't true like that actually then Payne and I has been this whole like solo performance but involving different collaborations but um yeah I don't know to sort that uh thing of how do we follow what what um what matters I guess and then how do we then find a way to follow it um I think when I have feel lost in a not very helpful way it's when I feel the pressures and I feel like the expectations and I kind of get lost in that and that kind of detaches me from yeah 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 no that makes it and, and that makes sense I think if you kind of it's like I think if we get too focused on anything as 
performers in whichever field of performance you're in, you lose the sight of other things. And that actually is not great for your creativity. It's about being open. Yeah. And and that openness, like to where, what work is and where things come from. Like, yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. It feels particularly relevant, like with pain and I, because it came from, again, it sort of came from a need where I was like, I'm not really uh, able to navigate things well because I live with chronic pain and I need to find another way of doing things and so Mm -hmm. it kind of that that's not just about the performance world that's about yeah like how to be in the world (laughs) but yeah um so let's talk about pain and I um and what inspired it and it um was at the festival Edinburgh festival in 2022 Yeah. yeah 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 um I mean let's talk about festival in a minute and your yeah. experience of the festival but yeah first of all let's talk about pain and I what was your inspiration mm-hmm. um yeah so I've it was, it was probably about six years ago where I began began the journey with pain and I or what, what pain and I became but um yeah I've I've lived with chronic pain since I was a teenager but kind of not did not acknowledge that as a reality for a long time and um yeah so it was yeah it was like 2017 ish I think um where yeah really out of I guess maybe it was because of how long I've experienced it for and also my age and just where I was at I I just really realized that I needed to um explore that experience creatively or like and I kind of came out with chronic pain (laughs) is what I felt like (laughs) which was like uh, yeah and interesting also came out as queer at a similar time it felt connected but that kind of thing of of um yeah what one what one permission to yourself can do can open up um it's a thing (laughs) that's really interesting yeah that that just giving yourself permission to say something out loud then triggers the other things that need to get yeah and just those processes yeah yeah and yeah so I guess like the personal and professional were like so intermingled with this stuff but in a way that that felt useful um with yeah so with the chronic pain because actually it felt like acknowledging it and realizing that I wanted to explore it creatively I realized so much of the sort of pain in inverted commas that I was experiencing was because I felt like I had to hide it or I didn't know how to talk about it or there's only very specific ways of talking about it like medical the, the kind of medical model way of like that it's just that it's just something that's wrong with your body or that it or that the objective is to try and get better from it even if you don't but you don't know if you will and like mm-hmm. or that there's there's just all sorts of um obviously there's loads of helpful things that can come from medical yeah. <laughs> um context but in terms of like having a relationship to pain and living a life with pain, I just was very lost and yeah, in a big, big way um, for years. And I still am, you know, it's like an ongoing journey, but yeah, I just, I just knew that I needed to kind of turn towards my pain differently in my life and in my practice, if I was to continue having a practice. Cause I guess I, you know, I stopped being able to, I like often just wouldn't go to, the, to performances anymore because I can't, sit for very long when my pain's worse and um yeah just feeling like I wasn't able to like be part of the communities I was part of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um anyway so um yeah and so I suppose this thing of like turning towards my pain differently I, I didn't think I would necessarily make a performance at first it was more about like research like what is it to dance and move with pain if I'm really working with the realities of my chronic pain body as it is what kind of what kind of movement and dance because that that was kind of um I've always been more in like movement dance but like live art um experimental performance but quite body-based I guess starting there and so yeah I did research with some other artists who also have chronic pain um such as like uh, Raquel Meziger Zafé who's amazing and like Laura Fisher um and just to go like what would it mean to what kind of literally what kind of styles qualities of movement and aesthetics of movement come when we embrace our chronic pain bodies as they are and then stuff about like 
how do I move as a practice of care for my body? Then what kind of movement comes? So it's not just like about withstanding the pain or doing or just doing stuff that won't hurt it. It's like, what if I do stuff that actually is good for it? Like what kind of aesthetic comes then? And then also this things of like, what does it mean to like follow pleasure in your body and what kind of movement comes from that? Because that can feel, well, it can be feel quite radical for lots of people for different reasons, but especially living with pain, it's like, totally lost what pleasure in one's body can be this is all in this these ideas kind of exist in the show now but anyway so a lot of the like practices and methods of of moving and of like creating the work came from this earlier research and yeah and that kind of ethos of like uh embracing it um and then from that I guess uh yeah, somewhere along the line, I realized I definitely wanted to make a piece about it. And it, and um, these kind of movement practices are in the work and that like the choreography has come from those, that kind of care, pleasure, following movement. Um, but yeah, the, the piece then kind of evolved. Um, and I guess a big part of it is that um, it's really about acknowledging the spectrum of chronic pain experience. And it, so it's not about just putting like, when I sort of say to people, oh, it's like a celebration, it's quite joyful as well. I'm not like, oh, it's just, it's not about putting like some positive spin on a difficult experience. It's like, actually that joy has come from really creating a space where I can acknowledge how awful it can be. And like the, com the, the just the complicated relationship to one's body and to oneself and to the pain um, that, that that because I felt like I couldn't acknowledge it properly I didn't know how to I didn't I didn't have a language for it so it's kind of the piece in a way is about like creating a language that's both words kind of poetic and um and movement to like kind of talk about this thing that's that's also impossible to talk about and kind of embracing that <laughs> anyway so yeah that kind of um and then through doing that letting there be space for like acknowledging the difficulties I feel like then the kind of insights and the kind of knowledge and lessons of pain can come as part of that and like what does it mean to be with something unwanted in our lives and how do we have a process with that and how do we do that really because so many of us individually and collectively are doing that <laughs> um so it's really it's really about that and kind of um yeah celebrating that ex mm. experience and way of being and 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 actually um it's that for me is about like uh, the bigger thing of you know that we're living in capitalism and we're living in all these systems that actually are not good for us and so lots of the insights I feel like I've got from creating work about chronic pain and just thinking about it a lot is stuff that I would want anyway yeah. <laughs> like I want to live a more gentle life a more kind life like uh want to you know care and to be there and so it there's there's something about the actual like lessons of it all are stuff that when I chat to people it's like well that's kind of what we yeah it, it's just a why it's a wider it's a wider like it has relevance anyway like it's so there's something I'm quite thankful for I guess as well about like in that way like without sounding too weird like sort of thankful for no the I don't think that sounds weird at all um and I think so many things you've just said really have resonated with me so as some of the mm -hmm. listeners know I have endometriosis right yeah um and mine is very uh, cyclical and you know I I think I've totted it up that out of the month I'm probably paying I say pain-free, but it's probably not actually pain-free because there's probably still a low level of pain. Um, like four or five days, maybe maybe on a really great month, eight days mm -hmm. yeah. of nothing. Um yeah. and that's been since I was 19. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, different operations and have given me different like time periods where it's been slightly better. And you know, and it's one of the things that you really touched on for me there was like saying not being able to go to shows to go and see stuff because you're not able to sit and um one of the big side effects of endometriosis along with the kind of crippling pain that people don't aren't as aware of is the fatigue yeah which 
anyone living with pain is they're exhausted and that really hit me because there are so many times I'm like I power through to get through my working day because artists aren't supported to then go and see a show at night there are points in the month where I'm like I just can't do that yeah totally totally and then you feel that disconnect to your community Mm -hmm. people that you want to create stuff with and so that has really resonated with me and I'm sure that's going to resonate with uh, um, listeners in other ways as well and something else that you were saying there as well and I think it's I don't think we talk about chronic pain and probably as again as a in a society in a way that is accessible for everyone because I think people always and I'm not just kind of saying that we don't have obviously chronic physical pain but people go through periods in their life where they're in chronic emotional pain and that from grief um, and it manifests in physical pain as well um and again I think if you're in this industry of ours in particular we're not really given the space because we don't have any form of security yeah um and I think that so I, I kind of hope for the listeners that are listening to this episode and are thinking about it and are like oh well I've not had chronic pain but you know but I just want you to say you might have it might just have been in a different way um for you to kind of make that connection I guess yeah totally totally I mean and and really it's yeah I totally agree especially in terms of the kinds of chronic pains that can that can just happen in all of our lives and that can come from living with chronic physical pain that like actually the complexity of it is often not it obviously is the the kind of chronicness of the uh, of the pain but like it's 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 so much of the um, like emotional and like relationship to self and like the relationship to self is yeah which like we all are Mm. navigating and sometimes feels more complicated at certain times and depend and in terms of our identities and like in terms of what's marginalized and you know and there's like there's parts of ourselves that get marginalized (laughs) I guess and it's like yeah it also makes me think about like because this this work has also and I guess coming out with chronic pain I've also like identified more as disabled and like with crip culture and thinking and like activism and and the kind of thinking where you know it's there there can be this kind of embrace of of our of our different bodies and minds and that it's like it's not just about um including it it's like how we need all of our different bodies and minds to like it's all different kind of knowledges and ways of being that are necessary and um what was I going to say I can't remember what I was going to say now um but that was going to lead to something um all right take your time and if it comes back what you were saying of like yeah different how we, I guess that that it that any of us like you said could can experience chronic pain of, of of different kinds even if we don't call it that um and and I guess also with like disability like or an aging and like it, it isn't I think it's it's like the medical model that makes it this thing where there's like a yeah there's like all these complicated stuff around it and like um uh yeah like fear or um but you know it I think there's something about that it can happen to it you know it's part it can be part of any of us and, yeah. and also how do we be who we are <laughs> which is kind of relevant to everyone yeah it's yeah. so interesting as well you said about you know the the other side the other stuff that comes along with it because I very much get to the point where I'm like I can deal with my pain like the actual physical part of it I'm like I can deal with it the fatigue gets me the emotional part of it gets me the years of infertility and IVF and um loss and miscarriages those are the things that like a heap on top of it and it's the same for I think probably um many other people who are in different types of chronic pain it's all the it's the other stuff and I think what you just said about the medical part of it is that people will understand the medical part of it or you're in pain but because we don't talk openly, people aren't as great at having the conversations about the other stuff. Yeah, no, and thanks for sharing that because I can feel, yeah, the feel that. And 
Um, and w- when you're saying that of like how to talk about it, I, and when you were saying about like not going to the theatre, I was thinking about something I've realised is that yeah, I I would I often don't can't go and go to the go to theatre venues and stuff, but but it's also about the atmosphere that we're going into and the and the way we feel in spaces and even if you're like some sort of fatigue state or or a different kind of state that doesn't feel like it's going to be easy immediately easy to navigate in terms of like to then I, I guess there's something for me about performances or things that I experience where I feel like the atmosphere of of the work of the project of the of the thing that I'm experiencing if that emanates like a like a, a non-judgment like an openness then I feel so much more comfortable even if I don't have a comfy seat to sit on <laughs> you know like, and yeah. actually, like yeah. That for me is is of course all the physical access stuff is vital, but it's like for me it is so about the atmosphere of, that you're going into, and like that then produces the conditions for how we can have conversations and how we will feel and what kind of dialogues we'll get to have um, uh, about anything. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that needs to be part of like the kind of conversations about access and about how do we how audiences and it's like how do people feel in spaces and and yeah. um, of course you can't fully control that but you can control the baseline of that though we can, uh, yeah, yeah we can definitely control the baseline of how a space feels yeah. when people enter it I yeah. think yeah um, and that's like a wider industry thing of like how do we relate to each other and what's yeah but um absolutely absolutely um so Payne and I um was <laughs> at a festival last year 2022 um forget which year I made <laughs> Yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's so like I kind of keep. I realize this. Like, we're nearly at the four-year mark from like the beginning of the pandemic, mm. but it almost feels like we've lost like longer than just the two years, like in I so know. many ways. Because I'm like, how, how are we at nearly 2024? Anyway, that's a side note. Well, it's relevant. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah, definitely is. Um, so how was the festival for you? And then let's talk about. Uh, obviously, you open at the Tramway. Uh, this week, the 8th of November, um, with Payne and yeah. I. And what the show kind of has become, I guess, as well, would be really great for us yes, to cover as well. Definitely, yeah. I've realised I haven't actually talked about the show. <laughs> no, but we've <laughs> talked about the beginnings of the show. <laughs> and I love it. Well, that you mentioned the pandemic does feel really relevant. Um, but So I the performance, I was about to premiere it at Take Me Somewhere in 2020, and then the pandemic happened, and, so I, and I didn't because the festival was cancelled. And then actually over the, the kind of a year later, I developed this audio version of the piece um with a sound artist called Alicia Jane Turner who's amazing um and that was then so that was the first presentation of the work was actually this 30 minute audio which um has continued to be part of it's kind of a body of work so the live performance is there but it's that's one version um so there, there there is this audio piece and then then I kind of went back to the live performance after doing that in 2021 and then developed the live piece um and that was first presented at yeah the front the edinburgh fringe last summer um there's also a graphic score which is a kind of visual version of the work which is both digital and there's like a publication that was designed by michaela poynton and rachel o'neill and brian hartley did the images so anyway just to let just to sort of give that context that there's like yeah that there's these different ways and of, and that kind of just happened naturally in creating the work but of course it's like it means that different people can access it and it's yeah. it's not just for people to like if you can't come to the venue for whatever reason like there can be many reasons then there's these options you know listening to the audio when a good time for you like in your bed or um when you're having a walk in the park or yeah it's um and these versions are very much each a piece in their own right they're not like oh the performance is the main thing and then the audio is like a lesser thing it's like I really want them to be artworks in their own right that you could experience just one of them or you could experience all of them if you want anyway but so so the work has become that in terms of form and there's and now we're also making an installation with Rachel O'Neill that's using this the audio and the graphic score material so yeah it's kind of like growing in forms it's kind of interesting <laughs> um but yeah, the work, it's so yeah, did it at the fringe, which was interesting because lots of people go, oh, was that really difficult? Because we did 20 shows in a row and um, and I'd never done like the fringe before. 
But because the performance has been made with this intention of what's what's going to be good for my chronic pain body to do and because it's this thing of it's a kind of love letter to my pain I guess and it's it it actually opens up my relationship to pain so it like reminds me of this kind of friendship or um I guess I think of it as like a partnership with my pain and so the kind of it actually helps me (laughs) doing the piece both physically and sort of in how I relate to it not like it makes it all better but it just because it's made with this intention of creatively exploring my living with pain doing it every day um at the fringe was actually really good for me um and I could then then really missed doing it there's obviously lots of complexity with like the fringe and how it can feel and it's so ridiculously weirdly competitive and like all the things I hate about the art world (laughs) seem to happen at the fringe but I think because I kind of kept quite focused on the on the atmosphere of the work basically um and wanting that just to try and give that out and to stay with that um I did yeah I I really enjoyed being with it for that long and I mean it is quite a physical piece like it's a dance piece it definitely exists in the context of dance like and I've taken it recently to Canada to a like a contemporary dance festival and it was interesting I was like is this gonna work in this context and it it did I'm not like a trained dancer and it was quite contemporary dance festival (laughs) um but it's in Canada where are you in Montreal right okay I just love Canada so I'm always like wait, uh, yeah was good to go there um and I kind of was there for a month and made a bigger trip of it um nice so in a way the work has really stayed the same in that like its intention is the same of wanting to be very welcoming and like creating a space basically where people can be with themselves with their bodies where as, as they are and through that kind of welcoming warm space I feel like then the space is opened up to be able to acknowledge the hardship and the um, kind of horrendousness of the experience. And and then, like I was saying before that, I guess it's how do we, how do we acknowledge things that we don't want in our lives? (laughs) And then, and how, and what kind of space do we need to be able to do that? It does feel like it's a kind of love letter to my pain, to my chronic pain body. And so I think that is a really interesting point about it being a, like a love letter to your pain or your partnership. I love all of the ways that you're kind of marrying them together. And the fact that I think it's also really great that you've said that doing the festival for you was actually really um, good and probably quite invigorating because you have created, it's like what we were talking about, right? About how we make the space um, and how you make that space of, accessible for people not just in that sense of yeah you've got the the accessibility for people to be in it but how it feels um and that probably really helped you as well survive the festival (laughs) yeah I mean I think there's some there's like an interesting paradox of like yeah there's so much of the performance and the art world that is so troubling but then it's like how do we of course we could just reject it and I think that's valid but um and probably needed but I also think it's like how do we use how do we use it to then do the things that we want to change that in terms of changing it and yeah there's there's something about like the working with that feels like that's what being an artist can often like and that can be really exciting sometimes and it can be really like tiring as well but Mm. yeah exactly um I think the other thing that I would love is what is it and I know a lot of artists don't ever really want to assume what an audience will take away from yeah. the show. But what yeah. is it that you hope that people will maybe think about, engage with um, when they leave after having seen Pain and I? Mm. Um, well, I hope that they feel that atmosphere, you know, in in the in the body. <laughs> I guess that's the thing it it's a live performance or it needs it is a live piece I've realized it, the liveness of it is vital <laughs> in that it's like and because I perform it naked as well which I've never made a piece for it naked before but it feels like that makes us a sense because it's letting my body perform it, mm. like present the materiality be there and because the, the pain is obviously invisible but it's like that's how much can I let it be there <laughs> um I hope that people really feel that kind of feel welcome yeah that they feel welcome and I guess that can then connect to how do we welcome ourselves (laughs) Mm. um and the different parts of ourselves are allowed to be there I think it's that thing of like what does it mean to to have a process with 
pain in whatever kind of pain and that 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 can be like really that can be really interesting because <laughs> for me that is what the work does is like it connects me to this like curiosity and like energy around having an ongoing process with pain and it can that process can often is like recurrent and can often be like a, a sort of feeling of like remaking friends with with myself and, and like that so I hope that I hope that yeah that 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 kind of way of being can be opened up for people or connected to because it's not like like they've they may already feel like that um I guess it's also that thing of that there isn't one way to experience pain and I'm not like presenting some perfect I'm like this I found the way to live with pain at all it's like it's literally a it's I yeah I guess I hope people can find their own way of connecting to um either their own pain or other people's pain and then I think there's stuff about like how do we care for each other sort of when we're in collective pain as well and and um so I hope the atmosphere gives gives that you you know and it's it is kind of like it sounds abstract but it's actually so kind of material that mm. feeling um and then of course what it results in is um is open yeah I I guess I hope that that's communicated I think there's also this thing of like I guess the the insights and the knowledge of chronic pain experience I kind of the piece it is is about that and a lot of that is kind of about a different experience of time and um yeah all the stuff about care and gentleness and like how do we connect to pleasure and how do we um uh I guess there's things that the experience has opened up to me about like oh it's given me like a motivation to live another sort of life that isn't the expected way of being and like so I hope that that can get out can get um sort of shared as well of of what that might mean to different people there can be a kind of rebelliousness that I get from living with pain where I'm like well I need to do it differently I need to live a different sort of life and actually that's really exciting can be really interesting exciting Mm -hmm. so I guess like that energy of that that I hope that is there (laughs) amazing Um, I also just want to say about you do um because you mentioned that you perform naked um and I'm sure you've had people go oh that's amazing that's so brave blah 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 right but actually I just want to kind of bring it back to something you said way at the beginning about um how we live just in general and like capitalism and in particular um for um certain groups in the world the way capitalism like um makes us feel about our bodies from such a young age yeah. uh, and how we have to spend so much money on certain things to start to look certain ways and whether that's you know she says brushing her hair back getting her hair cut and colored or um you know just the makeup that you buy and everybody knows I love some makeup and skincare and all of that but I think when you connect it to what it is at your core there's it's really beautiful that you're you're performing it naked because actually it takes away from everything else and it just focuses on exactly the story that you're wanting to tell yeah, it's interesting. Somebody said to me the other day, which was really useful, that they that they felt like the the nudity of it, and because it literally is just my body and the stage, like there's not like a set, like the set is <laughs> is my body. <laughs> um, that there's something kind of a bit timeless about it, that it doesn't like sort of place me in a time or like in a certain. But yeah, that and I hadn't. I mean, that had sort of been implicit, but I hadn't thought about that explicitly. It was really useful kind of insight. And I, um, yeah, I, I think, and and of yeah, there's so much about this work that personally for me is this kind of journey with one's body. And but it's interesting that I feel like the that that has come from realizing this really difficult thing about my body, and that has actually created. A, a better relationship with my body <laughs> um not like it's all sorted out or anything but just like yeah I again I think it came back to this thing of like how to have a process with it that is on all these different levels like personal political like societal like in relation to capitalism in relation to just like your everyday experience and and what is it to have a creative process with that and then how does that connect you to other people and like um yeah so it so it, it is still very complex but I but I guess the um 
yeah, it, it has then worked in lots of different ways for me that it's not just about my chronic pain. It's about like, oh yeah, this is my body and it's changing all the time. And, um, and I guess literally from like exploring dancing with it and what are its possibilities, what are its limitations, that feeling really, that brings that, that is about the form of movement and dance and choreography, but that's actually like a a philosophy of of living (laughs) of like, because actually there's possibilities that I didn't know about. And there's still probably stuff that I don't know about that my body might be able to do or not do. And the limits can be really interesting and, yeah and of course performance is the way I've that I have to explore that but there's so many ways that we can explore that um and it and that's to do with who we are who we each are and um whether you explore it on your own or in relation to others and I sort of now feel more interest. I've done a lot of solo exploring which has been very important like I've needed to do that I've sort of needed to go inward to then come out again (laughs) and there's a lot of stuff in the work actually that's about like I'm sort of closing my eyes and then like opening them and meeting meeting sort of from that inner place of care how do I then that shifts how I then connect with care to others so pain and I is touring from now from November um through until kind of May of 2024 is that right that's right yeah it's yeah. like not constantly touring all that time yeah. but yeah we've broken it up <laughs> I mean, a bit yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it, it begins this Wednesday uh at tramway um that is actually sold out but there's still tickets for Thursday um this week and then it goes to Fintorn to Universal Hall on Saturday and then then there's a rest and then it's on again from yeah like March 20th over March and April and a little bit of May yeah and there's various places across Scotland including like the Isle of Mull including the Shetland Islands Amazing. Cumbernauld Beacon um a few other places uh Edinburgh Summerhall Edinburgh and there's yeah and also there'll be this installation at Dance Space um, and the and everybody yeah. and you've got your audio one as well so I'm going to link all of that in the show notes yeah brilliant yes yeah, so the audio and the graphic score are like available it's been available already it's it's there now that you can access it and it will be available like from now onwards until the end of the tour in May so it's yeah. there um, and it's yeah. free or pay what you can to access those amazing um so i'll have all of that information linked in the show notes of today's episode sarah thank you so much for coming and chatting with me it's been absolutely brilliant i have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and i think it's really important conversation to have but also the way that you frame it and what you have created is just a really important really important too for people to start to maybe understand a little bit more maybe about themselves maybe about how we look at um the world and how we look at pain mm-hmm. um, so thank you so much thank you it's been very nice to talk to you guys <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad your first podcast was a nice experience <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes um and once again everybody you can um, find out all the details for pain and I in the show notes of today's episode and until next time lovely listeners stay, stay nasty, nasty. <laughs> Persistent and nasty means to me a kind of playful but very serious um, carrying on, persisting of being nasty to the to the um, very nasty systems that we exist within. So, yeah, persisting to work against them in playful but very serious ways. One, the turn towards. I have brown, blonde and grey hair that's short on the top and long at the back. I'm standing facing away, seeing you with the back of my body. The air calls you in. The air calls you in. The dust settles you here. The breath stroke your presence. Welcome. Welcome to the wakeful nights. The unease of daybreak. The hindered steps. The troubled ones. 
Welcome to the stiffening and shrinking of my world. The stretching of my fear and despair. The lengthening of my discontent. Shake me up and shatter me. Leave me lying, crying in the fields. Let me flounder. Flame up and compress my smiles and words. Undo my sense of self. Shoot me from the inside and ache it into my identity. The air calls you in. Speaking in a slowed, disenchanted voice. There is space for you here. Space for the unhealed. The touches of breezes and whirlwinds that have brought you here. The currents of quiet and chaos. Sound out their bells. Booming your validity, vastness and vulnerability. Welcome the unchosen ones. The ones left out. The disruptive uncomfortable, quietened, shameful ones. The air calls you in. The air calls you in. Your shimmering of the unbearable. Your shadow sides crisscross the now. And we scream, come back to me. There's space for you here. Your kiss of brokenness. Your kiss of damage. It wets, softens, and calms. The composer of Pain and I, Alice Jane Turner, has kindly given us a sample of the instrumental music from the show as well and this is what you're going to hear now.
hope you enjoyed both of those extracts from Pain and I. You can listen to the full audio by following the links in the show notes of today's episode. Stay nasty.